Entonces, uh, hello everyone, welcome to this English episode. As you know, my name is Gabby and today we have a special guest from Venezuela and now he's currently living in Madrid, which is Eduardo Gaboti. Thank you so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much, Gabby. Um, <laughs> I'm temporarily in Madrid, but I'm based in London, actually. Oh, in what part of London? Uh, well, Wimbledon. Oh, okay, wonderful. There are many people from the, the English episode that are subscribed there. And uh, actually, it's, it's really interesting to know that you are proud now in, in, in Europe and now that we can speak more in detail uh, yeah. how the global economy, well, specifically in, in Venezuela, is working right now. Sure. So tell me about your trip. Uh, the last episode that I made, if uh, some of you that are listening and didn't pay attention to the last episode, I would love you to uh, listen to the last episode where I visited Venezuela. And today, Eduardo is going to be speaking about how was his experience in the capital, which is completely different to <laughs> regarding my experience. So I would love to hear from, yeah. from him. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I visited for a very short time, actually, and uh, less than I than I would have liked uh, to, to be there for, for family reasons. And and the first thing was how difficult it is for someone uh, um, that wants to go to Venezuela from from the UK or Europe to actually get there. There are, there are many prohibitions now, uh, and they are uh, the, the government is is alleging that it's because of the the coronavirus situation, the, the, the Delta variant and uh, how it's affecting and how they are protecting themselves from it. But but effectively, we know uh, that, that the story goes differently because it's, it's mostly due to political reasons. Um, they, they are only accepting flights from six countries. So initially, I had a flight, uh, London, Madrid, and then Madrid, Caracas directly. I had to, to, to change that. And, and, and request for a refund for that ticket. And then there was only one airline that supposedly was flying from Madrid to Caracas on the uh, permission of, of basically like an emergency situation for people that needed to, to be in Venezuela for whatever reason. And that flight got canceled as well. So then I had to find an alternative route via um, Dominican Republic. So I went London, Madrid, Santo Domingo and Caracas. So it took, I had to stay uh, a few days. Just trying to connect in the flights was a bit of a mess. Also to, to not be knackered when I, <laughs> when I finally arrived in Venezuela. So, uh, and when I finally got there, um, it, it, was, it, it was a bit of a, it, it's always, it's always a, um, a mix of emotions because it's where I was born and it's where, where I grew up. Yet it's uh, every year I get to uh, I get a chance to go. It's it's completely different. It's changed a little bit. So yes, they were they, they had good measures at the airport to kind of uh, assess whether the passengers that were coming in um, had all the requirements in terms of uh, safety measures for COVID. Uh, that that was all right. Then you you go to to meet whoever was going to, to pick you up at the airport, outside of the airport, no, no one is allowed in. And then the journey to Caracas from the airport, for those who don't know, even though you, you they say that you land in Caracas, you don't land in Caracas, you land in, in this um, uh, town that's called La Guaira. And uh, it's about 45 minutes by car. 
between characters and that. And then the, 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 it was interesting because it was pitch dark. There was no almost no electricity in the in the in the motorway in the, in the highway. And uh, and and you know it's 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 a free market for those who who, who drive because you can do pretty much what, whatever you want. Like people switching lanes inside the tunnels. Like uh, there was a, at one point we were it's going like uphill towards the last tunnel before you enter the city and there was this gap between the, the the lanes that were coming down and we were coming up and this passenger bus just comes full speed on the other side and just makes a u-turn in the motorway in front of us and it was like whoa this if this bus flips and and basically you know crushes us that that's it actually when i arrived from 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 the border actually yeah. that day i saw seven people killed oh but it oh. was not it was not because of the danger that venezuela didn't know how to drive it's because people are not investing in their cars so they're having yeah. accidents in the roads so i seriously when i saw that it was the same impression but my was the road was really dangerous because it's between it the valleys between the venezuela and the mountains of los andes yeah and when i saw that people die it was seriously just the main reason was because people are not investing to fix it. their car they are not investing in the, the wheels in their machines in anything yeah yeah it, it, it is interesting and, and as you say that the, the first shock was the, not, not just the you know the freedom that people have to to drive in the way they want that that's that's rather common because uh, there's pretty much no, no law in, the, in this aspect and, and, and it, it's almost like a voluntary arrangement between people everyone knows when to when to move when not to move exactly. uh, there is no warranty of your life since you are right uh, uh, yeah exactly but, but on the but on the other hand the, the the second shock was the infrastructure so as you said the the roads the the, the quality of, of of the pavement or you see the the facades of the buildings um, signs lights I mean, it, it, it was like 8 p.m. and it was pitch black, uh, and and you would see many buildings with no electricity whatsoever. Um, yet, I started to see the more I got into Caracas, I started to see some things. You know, at least they were doing some developments in in in, in the main motorway, like to separate the lanes. They were planting some some palm trees, and and that that was kind of nice. And there was there were some some tiny lights, the, the glowing lights in the in, in the in the pavement. I don't know the name in English for that. It's like, like um, the cat eye, you know, those that are kind of like blink in the in the dark mm -hmm. uh, to replace the actual electricity that should be in the lampposts. Wow. Uh, and then and then you started seeing uh, when I got to, to where my my mother lives. She she lives in a in a relatively uh, a good and safe uh, neighborhood. Uh, close to one of the main uh, uh, green spaces called the Parque del Este, the East Park, and uh, and and that that's you started seeing like you know people with fancy cars and and, and you know the, the SUVs with the uh, with a protection like, for, like bulletproof windows and exactly something that I, it's really interesting when you arrive in Venezuela you 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 don't feel like familiarized with what's happening with these cars where are coming that there are still new cars new branded cars for me it was also shocking uh, yeah. when I was visiting uh, the, this part that is a small city which is San Cristobal I saw yeah. many cars uh, really new cars including a Ferrari. Wow, wow! Which is again, is is 
it's just a sign of, of how weird everything is because and it's the, I, I can imagine if anyone is listening to this and trying to to imagine it from the perspective of someone that lives in in a so-called first world country you name it us canada europe or even some other places in latin america they, they probably don't get it the person like okay what's what's wrong with having a ferrari i mean if, if they can afford it but yes it's it's difficult because again the the, the economy it, it is one of the first signs of venezuela and latin america in general is the inequality so whoever has has just way too much and whoever does not have is like struggling Exactly. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I can't imagine how it is in those regions where you visited because to be honest I'm, I'm, I'm such a like in, like in Venezuela I've always been a city boy I almost never traveled uh, to the to the to the uh, countryside or, or the other regions except like one two cities on holidays and that's it I've always moved in Caracas. Eduardo, let me ask you something. When you were in Caracas, did you see apartments and houses that they were selling this in Parque del Este, which is a really good neighbor? How much does it cost now to have a new apartment or just to have a new property? I, I asked the people because, you, like I said, uh, uh, you could see in the evenings how almost no lights were switching on and it's not because of lack of electricity it's just because in, in that neighborhood most apartments are abandoned as in the owners the owners left left the country and they, and they kept the apartments because of either they are hoping to come back at some point when things are like fixed uh, I think it's, it's back to back to, to whatever they, they have in their heads or it's a matter of uh, that they just simply don't want to come back but they want to give their their flat or their apartment uh, like for so cheap a year ago you could buy a flat in that area in around $25,000 now because of the kind of let's call it a boom and and the, with the dollarization they the asking price is about 100 120 for a for a two bed flat with two two bathrooms uh, relatively nice apartment um, and then there are people of course that are asking much more but the reality is that it's, it's very difficult to make sell because because of many considerations so so everyone would like to sell their apartment to an ambassador to a diplomat because they know the money is safe uh, they know that they, they are reliable and they would pay but you know there are not so many diplomats and ambassadors that would buy in Caracas so, so you you have to think twice if you're going to receive uh, 100k from someone uh, that maybe you don't know where they got their money from. Exactly. If your if your bank is going to be happy with that. And and it's uh, it, it's interesting that now people uh, in Venezuela they have just the knowledge if even if someone has dollars in in the part where it was they don't care where it was because normally the narco traffic is really correlated to this zone yes. so even people there i was in a supermarket i was even visiting one of my friends and there was a woman who opened her her bag and it was just a just a hundred dollars just for cash it was between thirty thousand or forty thousand just in cash with her yeah i've never seen a lot of money in cash in my life like i like i i, I watch in venezuela or i've seen in venezuela 
and how people feel comfortable now carrying on that 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 bags with them and without having any issue with that but how can they feel that secure how, what is that where is that money coming from yeah well it's it's that that's why it's different that the, the, the people or, or, or whoever is selling a flat from abroad that would have those considerations because they cannot afford their banks closing their accounts because they they make their living outside of venezuela so they have to at least stay within within the boundaries but inside venezuela the story is completely different i was i was actually um uh, uh going into into las mercedes which is like the the, the night uh, hotspot in, in in caracas but i was on daylight and i was with this lady that she was showing me the new buildings it's like look how pretty this new building is it's very tall with you know glass uh, uh whatever blue glass and it looks so nice from the from from the motorway or from from the distance and i was like well this is clearly some money laundering going on because this this these towers this this massive buildings are completely empty and some of them are, are already on sale like the whole building says sell for sale and it's a newly built thing so so you would wonder like okay what where's this money come from but some people are like you know what i don't care it, it makes the city look good and, and to your point or, or about the cash some people are let's not say turning a blind eye but they say look we've been so terrified and terrorized for the past i don't know 10 years or, or whatnot it's i want to i want to live i want to to to, to enjoy i want to be able to afford things uh, and uh, and and everyone knows uh, almost uh, uh, instinctively that 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 the only way to do that is by getting dollars uh, that doesn't mean that people are going to to criminal activity to get them people in, in the back of their heads they know that there's something going on as in how all this money started circulating but if they are doing an honest job let's say if i'm a plumber or, a, or a, I am a dentist or a psychologist and I charge by the hour and people pay me in cash, then all of a sudden, and a friend of mine actually was telling me, like, look, I've never had so much cash inside my wallet, not even when I traveled. Because when, as a Venezuelan, when you traveled in the past, not so long ago, the government allowed you to buy $500 in cash at, at a preferential rate. And you would go and you would feel that you were having a lot of money because you had $500 to spend in whatever the duration of your, of your trip. Now, it's like some people, you, they work uh, how, how many hours a week and they have their wallets like full of cash. I saw elderly people, like you said, like with this, you know, their hands full of dollars buying groceries. And, and it's like, whoa, I mean, where do they get it from? Oh, obviously, it's from work. Like, uh, last year I had the opportunity to be there before the pandemic and it was still a little bit like um, under the radar you, you couldn't speak openly that you had dollars and, and you, you would try and pay in local currency even though in some places everyone uh, you know wanted uh, to, to pay in USD either via Zelle, uh, Zelle or, or, uh, or, or in cash but now it's like it's everywhere and, and, it's, and it's normal. Even prices are quoted in dollars. But I, I, I have to say that I, I, I moved only in what's known as the bubble. I didn't go to the, to, the, to the corners of the city where things are still a little bit 
uh, or could be a little bit different. And that's an important distinction because a lot of people on Twitter went like, okay, well, that, that's not the, the, the reality because if you go to, to, the, to the slums or, or wherever, you'll find things that are still, you know, complicated. And that's the thing, how fast uh, Venezuelan people uh, took this adoption in less than a year during the pandemic, pandemic situation. They improvised the way how they use their money, how they use their different currencies. Because, for example, in Merida, which are other states in Venezuela or in San Cristobal, they have limit, limits. Let's say um, in this zone, we're going to be receiving uh, Colombian pesos. In this zone, we're going to be receiving uh, dollars. In this zone, we're going to be receiving euros, but it was a wow. mass adoption in less than a year that I'm really shocked by the circumstances, how they took that. And I'm, I'm really amazed how fast it was. That's why I think even the, the Bitcoin world is going to be taking place in less, in place in less than two years. Or what do you think about this? Well, because it was so fast because of the needs of people. See, I don't know. Um, I was surprised to see that in one of the main uh, supermarket chains, they accept uh, crypto. They, they accept payment in Bitcoin and, and probably in other cryptocurrencies. Um, but that, I don't think is, is generalized. I, I think um, ultimately, Venezuelans have always been trained to work with exchange rates and and to make make calculations, and they always they've always known that the only way to save was in a, in a hard currency like the US dollar. Um, now, to make the transition to say, well, there is actually a harder currency than the US dollar, which could be Bitcoin in this case, I'm not sure if they are ready to make that jump yet, uh, because ultimately everything is being used as means to an end, as in, you know, Bitcoin, uh, the adoption in Venezuela, I believe it, it has served to to get hold of dollars it's not people are not saving in bitcoin yes there are there are people who have done really well because they invested really early they started mining or whatnot since 2012 there are there are a few crypto millionaires in venezuela of course they cannot say it openly and they probably stay very low key um, there are other people that are getting paid in bitcoin for what they do obviously pegged to, to the US dollar, so their salary or, or their income is, is, is denominated in dollars, but they then make the conversion into Bitcoin and they pay in their wallets. But I don't know, two years to make a full transition into most of the people saying, you know what, the, the Bitcoin is harder than the, than the dollar, it protects my money much better, and, and I can also make transactions, transactions with it. Uh, I, I still don't see it happening. And, and it's really interesting because in the rest of the world, cash is disappearing. So I'm in Madrid and I haven't spent a single banknote or coin. I pay everywhere with my card. In London, the same. I don't. I almost never use cash at all. I only pay with my card. I tap into the into into the store and that's it. And I, and and I pay. Or I make a transfer when I have to. Buy online. That's it. So cash is disappearing. And there is an incentive in in the in the world to to make cash disappear. But in Venezuela is different. So people have a really high preference for cash to the point that, that for instance, if, you, if you're going to pay uh, in some uh, restaurants or, or, or some shops 
with your debit or credit card, international debit or credit card, they, they add a markup up to 8% of what you're paying because you're paying with a card. Why? Because the, the, the point of sale, the bank is, is for processing that payment, are, are charging them something. And then the, they are not stupid. They say, okay, if I'm getting charged, not only am I going to pass it to a client, but I am also going to add something for me. And because you don't have the cash at the moment, you say, well, what the hell, I need to pay. So here you go. You have to you have to understand 8% in a transaction. It's like there are people who don't make that money in their portfolios in a year. So, so whereas cash has a really high preference, the, it, it, it's, a, it's a difficulty to find the, the low uh, the low denominations in, in, in the currency, like the, like one dollar uh, bills or, or five dollar bills, are highly highly appreciated. Um, and, and and so it's kind of like reverse to to the rest of the world, where everyone is is, is stopping to, to to dealing with cash. In Venezuela, people are are utilizing a lot of cash. It gives them like the comfort of it's tangible i have it and, and not only i have it i finally have it and they want to use it so it's in two years i think it probably is i may be wrong and and probably hopefully i am but i don't know time flies and, and two years is like a like a like a short short no, time and you're right because if we speak about also the the adoption of the internet that well the new kind of adoption that Venezuela is having because the only red that we used to have was Ava Cantebe, which is mm -hmm. the only company for uh, Venezuela. But now there are new satellites there that are coming just for eight dollars. You can get access to the full internet, uh, having Wi-Fi. And this is was shocking for me. And I said, okay, this is going to be a huge possibility that now in less than one year there are going to be more transactions than using cash because that's what they were needing needing the access to the internet because that's fundamental and in a country like venezuela this is unstable well uh, you you are absolutely right but internet for me was a pain uh i i couldn't access uh internet frequently i had to book uh, the business center of a hotel to try and do some work from there because people are utilizing these devices like portable uh, uh, Wi-Fi, which is a joke because it, it connect, it's, it's like using your phone uh, as, a, as a hotspot and it, it gives you uh, a, a connectivity that is not reliable. It's not, uh, it's not fast, it's not, it doesn't support. I couldn't, for instance, I, I, I am also recording some things on Zoom and I then need to upload into a website. I could never upload it. I only uploaded it when I go back to Madrid. Uh, it was it was impossible. So in general, like public services, and that's kind of like like forgive me if I if I deviate a little bit from the topic, but I, I, I my impression of, of Venezuela was like it's like when they speak of Mars. Uh, you know that they are now with Elon Musk and all that they are trying to find ways to colonize Mars and. And it's completely, it's impossible to live there unless you set up a base where, where, whereby inside the base you have your plants, you have your food, you have your, your sources of water and everything is like contained. But if you go out of the base, you cannot breathe, you cannot do anything. So it's an exaggeration, of course, but it's, it's to prove a point. Uh, that's kind of like the feeling in Venezuela because people inside their homes, yes, they, are, they have the water tanks, they have their electricity plants to cover their basic needs. They have basic internet with these devices. But the minute you go out, there's no water, the electricity is failing, internet is not reliable, 
the connectivity with the mobile phones is not that great. This thing of the satellites, at least in Caracas, they are charging it like at forty dollars a month, and and that's more than what what I pay for internet in London. Wow. And I and I don't even know how reliable that is. So so. For instance, I wanted to kind of give that possibility to my mother and say, look, because I struggle to communicate with her, so I call her directly on her, on, on her home phone. But if I want to have a video call with her, it's impossible. So, okay, let's say, let, let's set up a, a, an internet connection for you. But then you do get the, the pinch, like, am I going to pay for an internet in Venezuela the same or, or even more that, than what I'm paying in London? Is that, is that actually, is, is, is that right? Um, I feel that, that, at some point, Venezuelans have to learn how to say, no, I won't buy it. Uh, it's too, too expensive. And, and, and push uh, uh, providers and, and suppliers that, uh, in that they cannot charge whatever they want. Because if not, things are going to keep going exponentially in dollars. And, and, and that's, that's not that's and, a good quality. Exactly. And it's interesting that your, your experience was completely different because actually, even if all the costs are higher there in Venezuela, even in other developed countries, it's not that much. So when I was there, uh, even the connection of the internet was was really good. And I saw that Colombia was the main uh, country that is providing all the services to this small part of Venezuela, this region. Wow. And actually, the internet connection was satellite. Everything was faster. But the problem that the, the services, like if you if you went to a restaurant, you went to a supermarket, everything was higher than the prices in Colombia. And I got shocked yeah. by that because yeah. I'm currently here, and just comparing that a country that has this hyperinflation problem that costs more, it's it's unreal. It's, it's unbelievable for me. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I didn't know, uh, uh, it, and it also speaks about how um, both from the from the let's say supply side, uh, co Colombian companies are taking the opportunity to to you know fill that market, and uh, to, and, and then the people in, in, in the in the border uh, or, or in the in the neighboring towns like San Cristobal they can benefit from it. That, that is really interesting, but but in Caracas, that it is the capital city, is where everything is supposed to be great. I actually, I, I am I'm doing a um, uh, at the moment a course. I, I am I am facilitating a course uh, every every Thursday, and and the first day of that course uh, started when I was in Caracas, and I I went to the offices of of, of this company, which is like the the, the owner of the platform. They, they allowed me to use their offices because again of the internet. Well, internet failed two times, and and it was going right in terms of the speed, but then and the, the connectivity dropped. I had to use the hot stop, the hot hot spot, sorry, from the phone, and 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 it's like, well, this is this is a joke, and they were like, oh, this almost never happens. Well, it happened to me, so. <laughs> I don't know if if I jinxed it, if I, if it was me that brought like the the, the black cloud from 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 London, the, the the rainy the rainy day, but but it, it did happen. So I, I didn't feel that that in terms of infrastructure, it's it's a it's like this distinction between what's private goods and what's public goods. Uh, public goods that, uh, that are supposed to be provided by by governments uh, are are inexistent. Or at least are very, very precarious. They're not. They're, 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 there's not good quality, and almost no one cares about that. 
so people are finding ways to privately solve their problem like i said like the, the, the base in mars so they try to to build their homes in a way that they are shielded from from that adversity and of course if you have all of that then you feel well you know caracas is great you can live there you can you know this is one of the probably one of the best places to live because great weather friendly people good food you know oh, you have your car <laughs> a beauty oh my god it's you know, it, 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 not, not just not just the beauty is the is the charisma of people in general, because one of the greatest surprises was um, last year people were very depressed because of the of the situation. So I think like the the bottom of the of the crisis for Venezuela was probably well you can never call a bottom. You can you can oh one one of the lessons is that you can always be worse. But but one of the recent bottoms or, or let's say recent lows was 2017 to 2019 and I and I and I was there the two the two times so, so in 2017 I was there and then on 2019 again and people were depressed you would see lines of people queuing to buy subsidized uh, uh, food uh, you know searching in the in, in the rubbish in the garbage for for for, for food that was depressing uh, children women and people were quite aggressive and and, and and skinny and, and it was it, it was not a good good place to be in. Now it's like it's like when 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 you're you're feeling drowned and then all of a sudden you go to the surface and you and you can breathe. That that that's the impression I get of people. And then people are making an effort to always give you a smile when they when they provide a service, albeit sometimes people are too busy with mobiles instead of paying a good service. But I guess that's also generational in some cases. Uh, but but women that I met, you know, always like with that good charisma, they 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 make uh, the Venezuelan women is always someone that that makes an effort to look good and to and to be friendly. Uh, people in general providing a service. I, I I use this let's say local Uber, which was Me too. So, <laughs> I, I was so surprised. I, I was mean, surprised as well. I was shocked by that. <laughs> and. And it was like a VIP service because not only, you know, I use, uh, I'm not a regular user of Uber in London, sometimes I do. And you just book it through the phone, you you know, you don't hear from the guy because the app does everything, it tells you when the guy is, is there, you get in, you open the door, you sit down, you don't say a word with the guy. Like, yes. absolutely. You get to your destination and then you rank the guy five stars. <laughs> exactly. It was perfect. It was also my case that I got shocked that now the small details of customer service are are just applying there. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now in this one, you book the thing and immediately they give you a phone call and it's and it's like a it's not like hi, I'm your driver. It's like hi, good evening, how are you? I am going to be your driver tonight. Can you please confirm the address where you're going just to make sure that we don't get it wrong? It's like wow. I'll be there and they keep you they, they keep you posted and then when they get there, once they take you to a destination, they you know, cars in, in perfect conditions, your your AC, leather seats, everything. And when you get to the destination, they I'm going to wait here until you enter through the door. And it's like, oh my god, that's so, so, wow, I feel like a like an important person. This is like and it's amazing. It's, it really is. So so that that charisma that you get in, in not only in Venezuela, many places in Latin America is the same. It, it, whereas in the rest of the world tends to be like more cold and and like okay yeah I'm giving you a service but that's it. It's like you could be 
Gabby or you could be Eduardo, it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Here, here it was, it was actually very pleasing. Exactly, that's what makes us special. Um, Eduardo, I would love to know to conclude this beautiful podcast and also that also all our subscribers can follow us. You can also give us your Twitter. But before that, tell me your conclusion about this. What do you think? What do you expect that Venezuela could happen? What do you think about this? Uh, it's still an open question. I, I, I Thank you for asking that because I... I um, I think that what triggered this discussion between you and me, or, or this this chat, uh, was that I, I posted my impressions on Twitter in Spanish, and, and a lot of people found found it uh, interesting. Others, not not everyone liked it, but uh, 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 anyway. And the open question is: Is this uh, smoke and mirrors, or is this some, or is is this the beginning of the recovery of the Venezuelan society? I, I think there are, there are two things to consider here. First, that the absence of politics was uh, remarkable. Like no one spoke about politics during my trip. No one cared about the, the president or the interim president or the the assembly or the whatever or the party X Y Z. No one. Uh, there were no uh, political signs. There were no political graffitis. There were. The, I couldn't. I didn't even hear politics in the news. It, so people said, like, you know what? I got enough. I, 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 I'm done with it. So I need to get on with my life. And the only way to get on with the life is uh, finding dollars and, and, and spending and, 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 you know, breathing and, and, and being happy. But, but the problem that it, is that, uh, as you rightly pointed out, the source of all these dollars is, is we know that is, is not uh, legal activity. It's not... It's, it, most of it comes from, from illicit activities and, and, and huge, huge quantities of money laundering. But, but the question is, does the world really care? I don't think that the world cares about Venezuela or any country in particular until it becomes a problem for them. So, so long as, as uh, the Venezuelan government or whoever you know, pays uh, uh, their bills and, their, and, their, and, and attention to what's happening on a geopolitical level and and honors their commitment towards their stakeholders uh, internationally, they are not going to be a problem. But, you know, th- there's the case like of Libya. Gaddafi was there for like 20 years or 30 years being a dictator and no one cared about, about them until they did. And then all of a sudden things changed and they invaded and they, they toppled them and they killed them and, and, and whatnot. I'm not, I'm not saying this is going to happen in Venezuela. I hope it doesn't, I hope it never does. Uh, because I don't think it's the right way to to, to, to solve uh, problems. Actually, if you see Libya now, it's not like in the best uh, in the best shape. But but if if internationally someone or, or, or something happens that they care about this problem with the money laundering in, in, in Venezuela, then this uh, this thing can become like a very like, almost like a dream. Uh, and then the, the the reality when they wake up is going to be really harsh because uh, they may find themselves like not finding any more dollars available uh, because Venezuela, they don't produce dollars. The, the, the dollars come from somewhere and they, they are circulating and they are exchanging between hands between who buys a, a service and who provides that service. But producers, as in, there's no dollar production there because we, we are not, we cannot be completely dollarized. So it's still an open question. Uh, as in, is this, uh, how long is this recovery going to last? The more it lasts, 
the 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 better the population will feel which is a paradox because again you, you you're having something uh, starting from a from a, from a not so good situation where where most of us come from the from the narco traffic yet people are kind of like enjoying finally a space to breathe and the recovery and, and whatnot um, so it's, it's difficult so unless there is something to 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 formalize the situation and clean up the act and uh, uh, it, it could it could well be that it's going to be smoke and mirrors and then the reality is going to be really really tough that's right well eduardo uh, thank you so much for having this space and thank you so much for giving me your thoughts about it it was an open question because this is an open subject that it doesn't have an end because it's really it's then and uh, i would love to know what is your twitter because i'm pretty sure that people want to follow you because you speak both languages so i'm pretty sure they want to know more about you too thank you so much well they can find me on twitter on my full name so uh, at eduardo gavotti um in the g-a-v-o-t-t-i and uh, and that's it really i i do i do post a lot of you know at least to me funny stuff and it's not all seriousness about situation but i also pull some interesting stuff uh, here and there oh well we need to follow each other and you know to support this community that is growing and also that we're giving really useful information so again eduardo thank you so much and thank you for all um, your support in this community and thank you uh, to everyone that was listening to this podcast so remember to subscribe also to uh, this podcast which is gabby vivas btc and i hope to listen to you again eduardo <laughs> the pleasure has been mine gabby thank you so much ciao 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 ciao